0: Hey y'all. You're like, what's y'all? That's a word. A lot of the population in the country says y'all quite often. Um, My name is Mark Young. It's fantastic to be here with you. Uh, I wanted to share a couple of things uh, before I get started. The the dilemma with sharing things before I get started is it already means it's going to be longer, right? It's like, we just get to it, dude. But I have to share this with you because I think it's kind of funny. Um, So one of the big conundrums, it's a couple conundrums when you're speaking at a church, especially when you're the guest um, and nobody knows you. And, And one is whatever you do, never spill coffee on yourself, right? And I actually have never done that. I've been doing ministry for 20 years and I've done a lot of goofy things, but I've never spilled coffee on myself. And so this morning I was coming back there. I uh, was just walking through and I had coffee in my jacket. And, my, and, and I just was walking and I hit somebody, and coffee just jumped out of the mug. And it spilled on me, but I wasn't sure where, right? So I walked over here, got set up, and my jacket's covering me. And then I, I begin to say, Well, I wonder where the coffee fell, probably nowhere. And then I noticed it fell in the area. It's not, it's not supposed to fall there during a, a message because everyone's distracted then. I'm pepping you all to be distracted for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> So I was like, "Shoot! That happened! No way!" You know. And uh, so then I go into the bathroom, and because I have this coffee stain now on my lap, and uh, and then I'm I have a new conundrum, which is, do I try to clean it with water? Right? <laughs> this thing, you just see things can begin to head south pretty quick. And I'm just I'm sitting there in the bathroom, looking at the mirror, looking at like looking and looking, and I'm thinking. <laughs> what do I do? I'm not kidding you. Probably for three minutes, I'm like, what do I do? I'm not going to wash it. I'm not, I'm not going to put any water. I'm going to walk away and just let it be. Just trust the Lord to dry it up, and we'll be good. I think that was a good move. Otherwise, I have to explain why I had all this water and wetness going on down here. Well, you see, anyways, it would have been mostly the same story, except I would have made the other decision in the bathroom. So, um, uh, th- yeah, so that's that's my conundrum. I need to get that off my chest. Uh, hope you hopefully you guys enjoyed that um, The second uh, thought I had was um, Kind of an observation about a bias your church has against men, you know And to me the way that I know that pretty confidently is the cool names that girls get for their outings, right? Like Galentine's That is so cool. And what do guys get? Guys, hangout night. <laughs> That's about it. Maybe it's just the guys are coming up with the names. <laughs> alright, let's brainstorm guys. Guys, night. Ah, hangout night. Let's combine them. Just make this really amazing title. So, alright. I just had to get that out there. Just to help me feel better. Because I've been thinking about it, you know, and if you're thinking about something and it doesn't come out, Bad things happen. So uh, this morning, I want to share a little bit of our mission story with you. Uh, I want to talk about our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, and uh, I want to talk about missions, God's mission, um, and why that matters to the church, and how to to practice discipleship with God's mission in mind. So actually quite a bit, and we're going to do that in 35 minutes. Can we do it? Yeah, I like it. I like it. So I want to introduce you to my family first. Maybe. Oh, yeah. That's my family. The homeless guy on the left is me. (laughs) My first uh, effort at longer hair and beard was a Viking look. So I did the Viking look, and then COVID just... Basically messed everything up, and I just went with the homeless look, you know, because homeless—that's kind of the way I feel about COVID, right? It's like just forget the whole thing, leave me alone. Um, and that's my homeless look. And now I've got the Kenny Rogers look going on, <laughs> I'm having some identity crisis, you know. So next time you see me, I'll have my hair completely shaved, you know, and and down to here with my beard again. So uh, this is my family, and there you go. There's the missionary family pic. It's now checked off the box if you've been in the church for very long. Um, so I've been in, my wife and I have been married for 22 years, we've been in ministry for about 21 of those years, uh, planting churches, um, working in difficult areas. We worked in uh, Waveland, Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, we we, we um, pastored in Alabama, difficult place, that's where I learned my vernacular, y'all. I um, actually went to school, uh, high school in, in Foley, Alabama. And uh, about in 2010, we moved to, to Lincoln, Nebraska, to Pastor Middlecross Church, which was uh, meeting over here in the Trade Center uh, during that time. And uh, during that time, we just fell in love with Lincoln, Nebraska. We fell in love with you all. You guys are really amazing people. Uh, my children grew up here, and uh, they consider Lincoln their home. And so whenever we come back, we feel incredibly Welcome. We feel incredibly loved and it feels like home even though we also feel homeless as you can see by the picture earlier During my time at uh, as uh, the, during my time as pastor of Middle Cross I said yes to an invitation to um, go and uh, attend a prayer conference in uh, Manila, Philippines While I was there I had a chance to speak at a church because whenever you're overseas and you're a pastor in the U.S., they always give you opportunities to speak, so I spoke, and I spoke at this church that happened to be meeting in what we might call a squatter community or a shanty town, just kind of an area that you might consider the, the poorest of the poor, and, and, and I had a chance to speak, and while I was there, I was profoundly moved by God's presence. I mean, it's, it's an outdoor setting, um, and there's a basketball courts right like three feet behind where the were the little uh, places that we met Um, and there's you know uh, lots of children on the windows here it's just a chaotic space and uh, God really spoke to me while I was speaking there and he spoke to me about his presence in this place that uh, some might not see as beautiful and through the eyes of Jesus, I actually saw, like, something magnificently beautiful. Not just, not just kind of that, that kind of cute picture of a, a poor child that we see in a magazine, but something transcendent. God's work in this community, in the hearts and lives of people. And juxtaposed with all the stuff that we might judge this or, this way or that way, I, I saw God's presence I sensed God's presence, and it it really came out to me while we were worshiping, because here we are, all together, unified in Christ, worshiping the Lord, there's basketball going on, there's video going on out there, the dogs are barking, it's total chaos, and it's total peace, and I'm like, Jesus, you're so here, so I was really moved by that, and Okay, real quick, remind me where I was at when I come back to this. Uh, I was at the story, I'm not going to go back, I'm going to get distracted. I have ADHD and if I go back, I'll tell you real quick. So whenever I pastored, don't forget where I was at because I need you to tell me, okay? I'm counting on you. Whenever I pastored, and, and those of you that are here, you'll remember this, I always chose the weirdest times to take a drink. <laughs> like, I'd be, like, in the middle of, like, reading a passage and, like, not wait till, like, the period at the end of the sentence, you know, but, like, mid-sentence, just drink, and it was always a funny thing, so I just thought of that just now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was so profoundly moved by, by, by God's beauty in this place, and we came back to the, to the U.S., and I shared with my church, and our, our church got on board with, with engaging this ministry there, and we, we just started getting involved. And we took a team there, we started to sell coffee, called Cause Coffee that we uh, used to raise support to help the ministry there. Now the work there is Sina Work, that's the denomination we're part of Christian Mission Alliance. Anyways, about two years after I was there, I sensed God calling our family to go. Right. So the, the, the journey of getting us to the Philippines was a yes to the go on the missions trip in the, in the first place preach to these folks see what God's doing bring that back to your church no clue where this is heading right whenever God says uh, just step through this just take this step just move in this direction we don't really know where it's going but God has something much bigger in mind that's why we're a part of his mission plan So so when we got back and our church was engaged in that two-year time period, God just kept getting me and my wife more and more convicted about uh, the work he may be doing in us to not just give money to the Philippines, but to go. So about two years after we got back from the first time that I left in 2016 now, we went. We literally sold everything we have, and we went. We went. To the Philippines, and we worked uh, and worked amongst the, uh, uh, um, young people in the Philippines and a church in the Philippines in this, in this um, community called San Buena. Now, our work in particular was with um, young people between the ages of 15 and 25 who got who had to quit school because of poverty. Okay, and so we, we helped them with getting a, a, essentially a GED education. And then once they got their GED education, now mind you, these folks are, are like, they had to quit school when, when they were eight because of poverty, you know, to work, doing whatever to help their family. So now they're 15, 16, trying to go back to school. So they're having to learn some things like reading and writing and, and basic stuff that they didn't get. But they got that and we continue to, to essentially get them a GED kind of equivalent certificate, and that allows them to go to college. So our aim is to help kids get their GED and then scholarship them through college. Because the only way out of poverty in the Philippines is through education. You can't work your way out of poverty. It's a labor system. The labor, labor class always gets paid poorly. So So in the Philippines, the labor class always gets paid poorly, and when, as we were there and have worked with the people there, we really began to see that education is the path out. And so we have a school of about 180 students. Some of them are in college. Some of them are uh, in this GED program. We have a church plant in this community there uh, amongst the poor, and then we we work with multiple churches basically. It's a church-based program. So people that are going to school are being discipled. They're learning about Jesus. They're coming to faith. They're getting an education, it's very holistic. That's the work that we do in the Philippines. We came back about two years ago, after four years of being there, thinking we would be back just for a few months. COVID hit and we haven't had a chance to go back yet. So we've been in this weird transition for two years almost, a year and a half, almost two years, waiting to get back. It's been the weirdest, most difficult thing ever. You know, because we came back thinking we'd go back in a few months. You know, kind of like what you guys thought. Yeah, we'll get back to normal in a few months. And so we're in this still this sort of waiting period. But we believe very, very strongly and are committed to going back this summer. So that's the plan. That's, so you guys can be praying about that for us, right? The youngs, the summer, back to the Philippines. Okay? Write it down. Don't forget. So I wanna, So that's our, our quick story right? That's a quick story. There's so much in there. You can just imagine, right? Just so many things that God was doing in our lives um, that, you know, is incredible. And that's, and that's the beauty of God's mission work. When he's doing his work in your life, I mean, it is just, it's like so many things happening all at once to bring about transformation in us. That's God's mission heart towards us. And that's, that's been God's mission heart towards me and my family. You know, I mean, it, it, it was part of our decision to go was a part of God's work in us, in our family, when we say yes, whenever I say yes to God, whatever that might be, and we'll get into this a little bit later, whenever I say yes to God's mission, He's discipling me. He's discipling me because I'm actually operating in obedience to His Word and to His Spirit in my life. And that's crucial to maturity and transformation as a believer. A couple things about our denomination. CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance. Just very quick. We have... Alliance, presence, missionaries, churches in about 81 countries in the world. In the U.S., uh, there's like 2,000-plus churches like this all over the U.S. 37 different languages are in that 2,000. About 500,000 worshipers. Okay, so that's kind of cool that we're a part of something a little bit bigger than ourselves. Overseas, 180 languages, 20,000 churches. There's 20,000 CMA churches across the world. Six million worshipers. And the CNMA's been around for over 100 years. And, and just to give you context, like that 20,000 churches is 100 years of, of missionaries. Right? Whenever you see a church, somebody was a missionary. Someone did the work, whether it's a pastor or a church planner. A missionary is just a, pla- a, is just a pastor a church planner overseas. We just have to call them something different for some reason. Okay? So today there are 700 international workers um, for the CNMA, for the denomination that you're a part of, serving in 67 countries. Why is missions important? There are 7 billion people in the world, 3.4 billion of those people are in unreached groups unreached groups unreached areas with low access to no access more than half of the, po- of the population of the world live in an area where there is no access to the gospel they can't hear it or very very low access can you imagine the things we sort of take for granted right because we're here and enjoying a service this morning, so much, so much of the world can't enjoy a service to share and to fellowship and connect and to hear God's word. So over half the world is in these no access to low access. Let me define real quick what no access and low access and relatively high access is. In, in the U.S., um, if I were to come to the U.S. as a, a, a foreigner and I started just asking people, hey, tell me about tell me, I heard about this guy, Jesus, I heard him, I don't know, I heard his name, tell me about him. Give me, give me the story of Jesus. It would take about six to seven asks before someone's like, yeah, I can tell you about Jesus. Right. So that's relatively accessible. Relatively accessible, and that's increasing. In Spain, it would take 500 efforts, 500 times of, hey, can you tell me about Jesus? 500 times before somebody could say, yeah, I'd love to tell you about Jesus. That's considered low access. In Morocco, it would take 30,000, 30,000 times, 30,000 knocks on someone's door to say, tell me about Jesus! Before somebody would say, I'll tell you about Jesus. And that's considered no access. So, the CNMA has about 700 missionaries, as I said, and about 80% of those missionaries are engaged in mission work in that low access to no access areas. That's kind of our focus, I guess eighty percent. So seven hundred missionaries overseas, two thousand pastors here working working to spread the gospel, right? And so I just want to say this one statement because I want us to sort of consider this. That sending and supporting missionary workers in the U.S. and abroad is fundamentally important, okay? Sending and supporting mission workers in the U.S., when I say the U.S., I could mean somebody who's working in a city, or I could mean your pastors, right? We're just intentionally working full-time to uh, bring the gospel, to raise up uh, disciples and leaders, and to, to 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 spread the gospel to new places. So churches are have this amazing like opportunity to be fully engaged in that work of supporting your pastors, missionaries, raising up future pastors, raising up future missionaries. I mean, when was the last time you were at a church where, like, little Johnny that I grew up with is now in India? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool to be able to raise up the next generation of workers in the world and for you to be able to bless that, support that, encourage that? Church planters, the same? Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, I know you guys are going to plant a church again, Right? That's the mission heart, to move forward, to advance, to multiply. It's fundamentally important, okay? Uh, This is my last little bit about the denomination. So in the CNMA, you have this thing called the Great Commission Fund. If anyone says the Great Commission Fund, I'm about to tell you what it is, okay? It helps to support the work of about 500 of those 700 missionaries, okay? You give to this fund. It helps missionaries. You don't know their, all their names. You don't 700 people, and they do work all over the world. And 80% of them work in that low access to no access. About 200 raise their own support. They're still part of the 700, still part of the team. But just the way the model works, about 200 of those raise 100% of their own support. My wife and I are on the raise their own support side. We're not less important or valuable. Uh, we're just it's just different. Okay. So, I'm just giving you that data. So, when your pastor says, Hey, I want you to give the Great Commission Fund, don't be annoyed by that. It's like, Oh, cool, I'm going to give to this thing. It's going to help some of our missionaries go to places that have no access to the gospel. It's that simple. Okay? So, uh, there's my information about the denomination. You guys feel educated, ready for the quiz after the service today? <laughs> so, now about God's mission, the church, and discipleship. When I went to the Philippines, I got sick. For the first year. Still a little bit now. And um, I have to take medicine every day for it. And it dries my throat out like crazy. It's so annoying. And it only happens when I'm speaking. Uh, so I got mince cranking beforehand, just trying to like. It's annoying. Anyways, God's mission, the church and discipleship. Let's start with what's God's mission? What's God's mission? Luke 19, 10. Are we up? We're up. Let me do this first, because I, I, this, this, the other two parts are, are important, but this next piece for me is really why I'm, I'm here this morning. Okay? So let me pray for us. Jesus, we need you to do something in our hearts in new and fresh ways. New conviction, new new imagination, a, a new sense of your love. Lord, thank you for the song this morning about your love, your word, Lord. It's, it's boundless, and it's so huge, and it's deep. We can't imagine it, but it's there for us. It's there for the world. And Lord, that gift is, is actually like a, something I can't quite capture sometimes. And so I pray that this morning, through your word, you'll help us capture it a little bit more and be moved and motivated by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So what's God's mission? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We're going to just keep things pretty basic this morning, okay? God's mission is to save humanity, <laughs> right? God, that, there's a mission. There's something wrong and he has, to, he has to come and rescue and redeem mankind because mankind is lost or not yet found, I like to say. Not yet found. And I love this passage in the NASB because it says, it it translates it literally from the Greek. It says, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost, which means at one point they weren't. Right? There was a time when this whole thing was good. And the relationship with the Lord was solid and strong and we trusted Him. And there was unity there. And then that got blown up by sin. And Jesus has come to seek and save those who, at one point, weren't lost, but now are lost because of sin. Why is God on a mission? For God so love the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Right? Everyone knows that verse. I'm not sure why that's the verse that we all don't forget. If you've, been growing, if you've grown up in the church... Right? If that happens to be you, you memorize scripture verses for your class. That one you didn't forget. All the other ones, I don't have any idea all the ones I learned. But that one stuck. It's a pretty good one to stick, huh? For God to love the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Why is God on mission? Because He loves us. He loves the world. Right? So imagine this, okay? So I just want to, I want to paint a simple picture for us, okay? So uh, don't overthink the theology, okay? But God sees a world that's lost and broken and hurting and wounded, and it's hopeless. Now imagine your own child being in that situation, Right? And when he sees this, he sees us in this state, in this place. And because of his love, not explicitly because he has to because he's good. That's a part of the story. And we can, we can, There's a theological conversation we might have afterwards. But what I want you to get is that God came to get you out of the hole you're in and the hole that I'm in and the hole your neighbor's in because he loves us. It's love. It's love that put Jesus on the cross. It's love that that killed the apostles because they all died. That for one, and he died alone on an island. It's love that moves us to do crazy things for him. It's love. So this message this morning is a message of love. The invitation is an invitation. The invitation to you to join the mission is an invitation for you to step into love. Because a lot, a lot of times we start talking about mission, and people just feel bad. They're like, oh, I'm not good. I never helped my neighbors. I don't even know their names. You know, people walk away with this like heavy burden of like, I'm a bad person, you know. That's not what the message is, is about this morning. The message is an invitation to, to be a part of God's love mission. I mean, that's what he's doing because of love he's rescuing. And you're here this morning because he loves you. That's the why. So when is God's mission accomplished? There's two answers to that question. Two answers to that question. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So the one answer is, well, it's it's what it says. You can deduce basically by what the passage tells us. It's accomplished when everyone's had a chance to hear. You guys remember a few minutes ago, I was telling you about half half the world hasn't heard. Oh, and it's hard to reach half the world because they're closed. You can't get in, not just because of COVID, but because as a country, they've rejected uh, an open society around conversations regarding faith. So there's a lot of work to do. Can you see that? Half the world... It's super hard for them, 30,000, to hear the gospel. And yet God's not done. And yet we're here because of his love. Kind of put the pieces together a little bit. We have the gospel, six or seven, to get the gospel. We know God's love. And there's a world out there that doesn't. And here's the crazy thing, friends. God and all his amazing wisdom is bringing those folks here. The world that's totally rejecting the gospel is coming here, coming to your neighborhoods. Man, God's love is amazing. He's like, oh man, I guess I'll just bring them to you all. (laughs) The second part of God's mission accomplished is more personal. It has to do with his work in you. Right? God began a good work in you Philippians 1.6 and he says that he he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus so there's this mission to the world and you are his mission God's mission is always big and small it always includes this people group and Sammy (laughs) Okay, this is the personal part of God's mission and you're his mission so important you get this And so he's at work in you right now. There's a mission heart of God at work in you to complete the work you started. Before you even knew him, he he had started working in you, drawing you, calling you, on mission. God's on mission. So his mission is uh, big and it's small. So what we know, we know that he came to accomplish something, namely to rescue and to save. We know that he came because of his immense love for us. We know his mission ends when the world has heard the good news. We know he won't quit until his work is complete. We know that because we're still here. We know that because we're still here, his mission is unfinished. Right? The mission is unfinished. Remember... um, I think I, is there a slide on that, Mark? Remember uh, uh, maybe the second uh, Iraq war and uh, we went in and, and took uh, Baghdad or whatever and it was like three months and then afterwards, uh, President Bush, W. Bush, he was on this big ship and he said, mission accomplished. Anyone remember that? Yeah, I see a couple nodding heads. The younger people are like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> Anyways, our president, after about three months, this is the past president, George W. Bush, he, um, he said after like three months, the, the war, it's good. Mission accomplished. We did it, right? And then we spent the next you know, years and years and years sort of spending oodles of money and losing lots of lives, and it was a big mess, right? Folks, I'm going to say the mission's not accomplished. <laughs> It's it's the opposite message, you know? It's like, imagine I'm on a big boat or whatever. The mission's unfinished! That's my message to us. The mission's unfinished! All right, because we got work to do. So his mission and work in the world's unfinished. His mission and work in you and I is unfinished. He's, he's, I mean, I want you to understand, friends, that because we're here today, We can know with confidence that the work, that there's more work to be done, right? So, what do we do? That's what we're going to talk about for just a few minutes. What do we do? Right? Because, again, we can know the problem, but what do we do? Right? So, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The first thing we need to do... Oh, by the way, a real important caveat. The the difficulty when people talk about mission is in in, in our... um, Well, is... We're concerned about you feeling burdened with performance, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of qualifying from here forward. If you feel like, oh, man, i got to prove something to God, that's not what I'm trying to do. That maybe is your thing you need to work through. Maybe that's a, some other things going on there. But, but this conversation we're about to have is not to make you feel bad, like I've said earlier, Okay? The way we come to faith, uh, the way we come to uh, the family of of God is through faith in Christ, not by the works that we do. So I'm not inviting us now to begin a new work salvation. So so we've stepped in. For those of you that know Jesus, you've stepped into faith. You're welcomed into the family of God, and there's nothing that can take away, as we read earlier, nothing can divide us from God's love. Okay? Not even us doing nothing about God's mission. Okay? You good? You safe? Awesome. So... Here's what we got to do. First thing. Ownership. Right? Ever like, parents, like, the house is a mess, maybe, 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 if if you have older kids. The house is a mess, and you say, kids, clean this up before I get back. And you leave, and you come back a couple hours later, and then nothing's done. What do the kids do? It's not my fault. You know, there's just all this blame game. There's no ownership. Did you hear? Dad say, clean the house? I mean, I don't know. I mean, sort of. Right? So we've got to own this invitation. What invitation? The one that we just heard in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, so go and make disciples. Where? Everywhere. Everywhere you can imagine. Go there and do that. And do it, and do it, and do it, and do it until everyone's heard, then I'll come back. That's what it's about, right? So, let me get a little bit more—let me dig a little deeper into this. Ownership, own it. That's what I want you to do. I want to own the mission, okay? First, remember who you serve. Like, there's something to— Uh, maybe I'll do it this way. If you're in a sibling group and you're younger, and, like, maybe you're 10, and the 11-year-old says, hey, go clean your room, or go do this, or go do that, you're like, hey, I know you're older than me, but only by one year, right? It's sort of like that with our pastors, you know, they're good guys and gals in some denominations, but they're like, you know, you're you're working, they're working, they're not perfect either. You're not perfect. We're kind of like the same, except they're the pastor and they study the Bible and they have some more information than, than you. So sometimes you think of the pastor like uh, here. In some, some cultures, by the way, it's not quite that way. But in the U.S. culture right now, it's the pastor, me, the missionary guy up there yapping, talking about things that I want to hear about, like stories about how he got coffee on himself. Right here, Maybe. But that's not the one who's inviting you into the mission. It's Jesus. And who is Jesus? He's literally like commander king of, how do you get your head around, of all, of everything. Not just earth, like everything. The whole enchilada, the galaxies, the the multiverse, where Spider-Man lives, and all these different all of it. Jesus is king of all of it. I mean, that's how big he is. And it's it's that, it's he who we serve. And he's the one that said it. Remember who you serve. That's the first part. Oh, now I know who's talking to me, (laughs) right? When you know who said it, you might start to own the, you might start to gain a little bit more ownership. Number two, realize he's looking at you. It's kind of like the thing I said earlier about the kids blaming the other. Like, Jesus is is, 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 this is before his ascension, um, and he's talk, talking to his disciples. And so we oftentimes, when we read this passage in Matthew 28, we oftentimes just see it as Jesus and them. But Jesus sees it as more than him and them because he wrote it for us today also. The story's in there for us today. So guess what? He's looking at you. Like, Jesus is saying, hey, again... Remember who you serve. So Jesus, the king, is saying to you, go and make disciples. We can't escape the eyes. It's like, you know, I know um, when you don't want to get, if you don't want to get, if you don't want to have a conversation with somebody or if you're, like, you just avoid them, right? Like, if a teacher's like, raise your hand, you don't want to know the answer. Like, any you want to avoid responsibility... The thing you don't want to do is make eye contact, right? You're like, as soon as you make eye contact, you're like, oh, shoot. I'm toast. (laughs) I'm asking you, friends, to make eye contact with Jesus. To realize that Jesus is looking at you when he's saying what he's saying. Go and make disciples of all nations. Wow. Wow. That's it a burden in the flesh, but a blessing as ones who belong to him because it's actually his burden and we're a part of that. It's his mission to resolve and solve and we join him in it, right? But it's somewhat weighty, isn't it? The last one is this, uh, on ownership, is... um, Relearn the first lesson. Relearn the first lesson. What's the first lesson? Well, we know at the, the end of this passage, Matthew 28 20, uh, Jesus says, Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, right? So he's basically saying, Teach them the things I showed you, the things I talked to you about, the lessons we have. I mean, like, think about all the things that Jesus taught those disciples. Jesus is saying to them, Teach them that. Not everything that is taught is, is, is like, a lot of the, the learning happens by watching somebody model something, right? So a, lot, a lot's happening. When he says, go and teach, he means just give them the whole thing. Get The last three years, give it to them. Oh, don't worry, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to help you through this. Okay, the first lesson Jesus taught the disciples was that their life had a missional purpose. The very first lesson. In Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Like the, not even follow me, hang out for a while, um, become, a, become my disciple. He does ask him to do that. But the very first thing he says to them, when he's calling them to follow him, is to articulate their purpose, their mission purpose. Yeah, you guys fish, but that's not your purpose anymore, to, to, to grow the biggest fishery, to grow the, have the most amount of boats. Your purpose is now my purpose, which is to seek and save the lost. They, they taught that to them, like right from the get-go. Hi, come to faith. He'd save you from sin and hell. And guess what your new purpose is? To, to pay that forward. You get to do lots of other things. You get to make tents, and you get to learn about technology, and you get to make money. But you got a first mission. You got a first purpose that's actually, from God's perspective, way, way more important than whatever it is you may or may not be leaving to your children. That's fine. But that's not, that's not what this is about. The first purpose... Is the mission of God not my legacy okay it's his actually his legacy isn't it like I'm actually I'm saying yes to promoting and perpetuating God's legacy Jesus mission In mark 117 follow me and I will make you become fishers of men Luke 5 10 Jesus said to Simon do not fear from now on you'll be catching men so we need to relearn the first lesson understand that we have a first purpose to see our eyes through the lens of a sent one right that each one of us so you know go and do this go and make so that right there's like a sent one they are all sent people go do this you're sent so you and I were sent so as sent people what does that mean to my life to see my life through the lens of a sent one and friends our lives matter more than we know the decisions we make have implications why? Because God's at work. So ownership, own it. Number two, activate and engage. Activate and engage. So we're talking about this, and this oftentimes is, is nice, but sometimes quite boring because it's like not the first time you've heard anything related to, come on, we can do it. You know, this sort of the cheering thing. So the next step is then to, to, to make a choice while we own it is to activate. Like when you, you buy the nice pretty car, oh, it's nice. Bought it, you paid the money for it, you own it. So step one, you got to own it. Say, yes, I own it. Jesus, Jesus is talking to me. He's the king of kings. And my first purpose is his first purpose. It's the mission purpose, to seek and to save that, 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 uh, the lost. Second is activate. It's like turning on the key. I like have to turn it on. This movement that takes place when we activate and engage, and engagement is actually stepping on the gas, saying yes to things. So I'm going to just give you, um, and this is my last uh, slide, I'm going to give you uh, a helpful way to um, own, nope, activate and engage. Okay? And I call it missional discipleship. So missional discipleship is is living a discipleship life. So I I want us to consider that our life as followers is to be lived as disciples, okay? And so my invitation to you is to live a discipleship life, a missional discipleship life. And and here's a, a way that I use that might be helpful for you to practice missional discipleship. And it's go, give, grow, and rest. And so what is go? Go is when I said yes to Jesus to go to the, um, on my missions trip to the Philippines. When I said yes to Jesus to the opportunity to speak, that's a going. Uh, When I came back and we took 15 people from our church to the Philippines, right? There's a going that takes place. Um... When I got into an argument with my spouse and I was really mad and upset, the going is me stepping towards her in humility to ask for forgiveness or to share where I've been hurt, right? Uh, The going is the part where we do an activity toward the thing that we're called to, which is to love, to have mercy, to give grace. That's the part that the world sees the father sees it too you see it when you see in one another it's how you know that god that god loves you oftentimes it's through somebody doing god's love so to speak towards you whether that's through care uh provision just seeing you noticing you those are going things so i'm responsible to go And I'm trying to say, friends, that when I say go, I'm not saying it the way we used to say it. Go means go to Africa. I'm saying go down the hall to your kid because you need to have a conversation. And it's super hard. It's terrifying to have your conversation with your kid sometimes as it is to go to Africa. So guess what? We don't do it because we don't know what to do. Let's go. I want you to know that when you go, I want you to see that your going can be a discipleship act when you're aware that the Spirit of God is at work, when you're, when you're led by God's Word, when you live in truth around that, when you, when you go in, in humility towards something. Going is a discipleship work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Giving is huge. What, what, what am I giving to the Lord? Whether that's financially, whether that's my, my knowledge, whether that's my time, I mean, there's a million ways we can think of giving, but anything that's related to giving, right, is that sacrificial, but oftentimes when I give sacrificially, I actually feel fantastic because I'm participating in God's work. And I, this, is, this is huge. Like, so we go and give. We go and give towards one another. We see that someone's struggling. We go towards them. We give them our time. We pray for them. And God's love is manifest through us to them, and they grow and we grow. That's God's mission at work. Whether that person is a believer or a non believer, right? Because we know when he, his, remember we read the, the passage already, he's going to complete the work. That's part of how he completes the work, is when we participate in God's mission to one another. That makes sense? So it's, it's not just about the mission to Africa and to people that don't know, it's the whole mission that God's doing to bring about transformation in our lives and in the world. And it's really important that all of us know that we are the ones he's called to be a part of that being fulfilled and complete. To own it, to activate, to be engaged. The third is to grow. So go, give, and grow. What's grow? Grow is where we engage the mind And the learning is when we sit and we study, we have devotions, we come to Sunday school, uh, come to um, church, we open up our word, we we sit underneath a a, a Bible teacher, we're growing, we're actively adding new information to our hearts and minds. We're resetting. Like, that's a crucial part of this whole discipleship journey. But you watch Jesus, that's what he did. He, He taught them. They went went someplace, they gave something, they grew. It's dynamic. It's not just grow. It's not just to learn. it's, It's going and giving. And then fourth is rest. We've got to rest because when we don't rest, we do begin to carry the burden of it and forget that it's God's work God's mission because we actually can't do anything you can't save a person you can't make someone better anything you do is just like it's, it's it's fine but it's sloppy and not really effective but God's heart and mission and love that that takes our efforts which is just all of us are just like kids who brought like our worst I don't know clay creation at five to our parent is like look and you're like oh, that's beautiful will you keep it forever sure right over here you know but god doesn't do that (laughs) he says that's beautiful because part of his work in us happens when we participate in his work to the world because what has to happen in me for me to participate in god's work to the world i have to live by faith the way that i avoid living by faith is by avoiding god's mission because then i'm not generally out of being comfortable i don't have to be uncomfortable because people hate to be uncomfortable right we've got to rest and resting happens on a sabbath friends when when we 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 practice this once a quarter we take a spiritual retreat we go away for a night or two my wife separately and we spend time with the lord you, you don't need to be a pastor missionary person whatever i encourage you to do that go and spend the night someplace in them you know camping whatever and just rest retreat why would you do that? Because you're called to this mission piece. That God and he, he needs you growing up and maturing, right? Because the the world's counting on you. Again, not your burden, His burden. But your life matters. I'm. Some people say you don't matter. God will find someone else. Well, duh, He's God. But you better believe your life matters because He loves you. He sees you. He's calling you, and you're here for a reason, right? So if you're here for a reason, your life matters. Okay that make sense? Go, give, grow, rest. Activate, engage, own. God loves you so, so very much, and God loves this world so, so, so very much. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for um, your grace that is unending, and... Unimaginable, Yet I experience it. I experience it every day, Jesus. Thank you for that grace that, that allows me to step into places that are uncomfortable and in, in, in engaging people that maybe make me feel a little bit nervous because I don't know what to say. But your grace provides a way. Maybe I don't feel worthy, Lord, because who am I? But your grace provides a way. Your love says, I do care about you. And my love for you is so expansive and so deep and so boundless. If you only knew how much I loved you, you certainly wouldn't care what anyone said on Facebook. Because that's so profoundly temporal. And you, God is saying this about us, you, my creation, are not temporal but eternal. And my mission heart for you is a forever story, not a short, limited story. So we bless your name, Jesus, and we thank you.